love him this evening? He's worthy to be loved and praised. Amen. Let's just go to him in prayer. Father, we just want to bow before you tonight, Lord, and say thank you for your grace. Lord, and thank you for your mercy, and thank you for this opportunity that you've given us tonight to come into this house. Lord, this building that's been set aside, consecrated, and dedicated for the service of the Lord. And Father, we want to make you the the welcome guest tonight. We want to invite you, Lord, and we do that right now, Father, on the wings of our prayer. We invite you, Lord, not only to the service tonight, but to our situations, our struggles, our sicknesses, the trials that we are facing, God. We're asking and we're inviting the King of kings and the Lord of lords to come on the scene, Lord. And we just commit this time to you this evening, Father. We just pray you'll anoint the lips of the speaker, Lord, but may you not only anoint those lips, may you anoint the ears of the listener. Dear God, that we can be in one heart and one accord. We can be receiving and pulling on the gift of God and pull you to our need tonight, Lord. Because we believe that you're a need supplying God. And we just commit this service to you tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we'll get started here. I want to turn to... uh, John 11, we're going to look here, very familiar scripture reading for all of us, amen, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, I tell you, you work a long day on the job and you come here and you're just thankful for a church, a body of believers that you can take a a refuge in and knowing that we're all of like precious faith, believing the same message, Believing the same God, believing the same supernatural, getting away from the cares of this life, and so grateful and so honored to be a part of it tonight. <clears throat> proud to be a part of Evening Light Tabernacle. I'm proud to be associated with each and every one of you, and we're just going to look to him tonight to be the speaker. So we look here in John 11, verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And I believe they sung about uh, that Mary tonight. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let us go unto Judea again. Now, verse 11, if you skip down. These things said he, and after that, he had said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And his disciples, or then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of a rest and sleep. And then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou ask God, God will give it. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said, I know. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. 
and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art Christ, the Son of God, which come into the world. And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come, and he calleth thee. You can have your seats this evening. <clears throat> just want to take some time this evening. Just want to speak something that's very familiar to us. But I want to pick back up on God Does Impossible Math, part 14. And I, I do trust that you're not getting tired of this series. Uh, but I want to look here just for a little bit this evening on the master has come and calleth thee. And we find that this is a very familiar scripture reading. And Brother Brandon would tell us that, you know, Joseph had died. And when Joseph, Jesus's father had died, that he went to live with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And he became their pastor and he was good friends with them and really loved them. And he said that they had left their church. They left everything that they, uh, uh, what they were used to and accustomed to, and they left it all behind to follow him and to follow his teachings. And in that day, if you know anything about <clears throat> that, that day, to leave the Orthodox church would meant penalty of death. And they left all that behind, risking their life so they can follow this one that they claim to be the Messiah. And yet we find that it's in their weakest moment, it's in their darkest hours, when their greatest need, that they really need the Lord the most, and he's nowhere to be found. We find in their, their greatest despair, when they need him most, they didn't see him, they didn't hear him, they didn't feel him. And many times we find ourselves in the same place. Many times you find yourself in need of God and you don't hear God. You're in need of a supernatural touch and he's nowhere to be found. There's times where you need to see God and you need to see the manifestation and it feels like he didn't come to church tonight. But it's at their lowest point and you would have thought that Martha and Mary would have lost confidence in Jesus. You would have thought that they had lost confidence in this one, that they had risked everything for it to follow in their darkest hour, their lowest point, their greatest trial, their greatest need. Now they were left alone to mourn the loss of their brother and Jesus was nowhere to be found. They were left to answer all the critics. Well, I thought you said he was a healer. I thought you said he was the Messiah. I thought you said he could do this. I thought you said he opened up the blind eyes. I thought this and I thought that. And they were left there to respond to the critics that didn't believe in the supernatural. And I ask you, what about our human nature? Some of you criticize the ministry because they're not present in your need. Oh, we're going to get a little quiet. We're not going to touch long on that. But we find, you know, the pastor doesn't call you when you're sick or the ministry doesn't reach out to you. But if I recall correctly, the Bible tells us, might you call the elders of the church and let them pray for you. And then we find here, notice now, we find Satan begins to work on what we would call a, com a complex in this arena and he'd go into your mind and start chattering into your mind, thinking, well, the pastor doesn't care about you and this, that, and the other. I mean, we are the sheep. He should call. He should know what I'm going through. I mean, my goodness, he's the pastor, right? He don't have anything else in life to do but just go study the word and take care of my needs. Sometimes that's how we think. And yet the devil's in the ear. Then the devil not only gets in the ear of that person that doesn't have a real experience or competence, real competence in the ministry, then they sit around the dinner table. Yeah. 
And then the chatter that was once in the mind and the ear of that person now becomes dissipated throughout the dinner table, not only for the wife, but also for the young children. And then when your children get of age, then you wonder, why don't they serve God? Why don't they have any kind of love or any kind of desire for the things of God? Let me tell you why. Because you murdered the character. You murdered the man's influence. You destroyed his influence. How can he help your kids when you've done this work? But we find Martha and Mary, they didn't lose confidence in Jesus. Though he left, they sought for him and they called after him. And Jesus tarried two days and didn't respond to their need. Notice his response was, this sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God could be fulfilled. See, God has a purpose and God has a plan in everything that he does. God does not make mistakes. You may look at your trial, you may look at your sickness, you may look at the thing you're going through, the situation that you're facing, and you may look at it and you may think, God deserted me when I needed him most. No, God didn't. God put you right there so that the glory of God could be made manifest. That's what God is doing in that situation. That's what God is doing in that trial. That's what God is doing in that sick body. God is bringing you to a place that God can show who he is in your life. Because when you're on the mountaintop, you have no need of God. So we think. But it's in that valley, as we spoke the last time, it's in that valley that you really learn to trust God. Notice now Jesus says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And then we look down in John eleven fifteen, and he says, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Woo, what a pastor. I'm glad I didn't show up. I'm glad you was in that hospital room by yourself. No, not quite like that. But anyway, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Notice his purpose. His purpose is to get you to believe in your darkest hour to get you to believe in your weakest moment to elevate your faith, to grab hold of a promise. God had to get so dire, so dead, so stinky, so miserable that he can manifest himself Because he is God. Jesus delayed his coming because he knew what the Father had already showed him. See, he already had a vision of what was going to transpire. Therefore, he could say, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And let me just say, God knows about your situation. God knows about your sickness. God knows about that doctor's report that you received this week. God knows. But he says it's not unto death, but for the glory of God. You got to look at the promise and quit looking at the situation. Quit taking your eyes. Oh, look, I understand. Maybe you did get a report that says you got this and you got that. And that's part of it. Take your eyes off the report and put your eyes on his report. His report says you're already healed by my stripes. So we fail to see Jesus has allowed these things or God had allowed these things to, to come to pass. In, in Lazarus' life so that he can display his supreme deity. Yeah. He 
wanted to open up the eyes of Martha that she would never have another doubt in her mind who he was. She want, he wanted to show himself so alive to Mary, more than just washing his feet, but he was going to be a living, manifested God in their time of need. There would never be another doubt cross their mind because they seen the effect of the supernatural God in their midst. And not only for them, but for the disciples that they would believe. That there would never come in your mind a fragment of doubt or unbelief or anything, no matter what you're going through. We believe who he is because we've seen who he is. Let me ask you, these things that this situation with Lazarus wasn't just for Lazarus. This man's traveling. No doubt he's in a new body. He's enjoying his new life. He ain't worried. He's 18. Walking on streets of gold, maybe or something. I don't know. But it wasn't so much for him that it got that dire. But it was for his sisters. It was for all the believers there that was mourning the loss of Lathers. It was for the disciples. God had a purpose. And notice... Why did God allow cancer to strike Sister Alana? Why did God allow alopecia to strike Mariah? Why did God allow Drew to be born crippled or whatever it was where he couldn't walk for many, many, many years? Why did God allow those things? It wasn't for Sister Alana. It wasn't for Sister Mariah. It wasn't for Brother Drew. No, it was so that God can declare himself a living God in this age and a godless age. God was showing he's going to have somebody that's going to believe the works of God that he's going to manifest himself to that it would encourage you in your time of need when you're at your darkest tower, when you're at your weakest moment. He's still God. He's still God. Why did he do it? So that you can't believe. Oh, to elevate your faith tonight to believe no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard the trial is, just to get you to believe that he's still God. He's God in Laodicea. And he's God in your trial. He's God in your sickness. He's God in your need. And he's God here tonight. And when God comes, he calls. The master has come. And he's calling you. He's calling your faith up another notch to get you to believe. To get you to believe. So he had a purpose. He strengthens our faith to prove that he's mindful of our needs. To prove that he's a living God. To reassure us that he's on the throne. And that he's in control. But four days late, no, he's in control. But four days late, don't worry about four days late. He's in control. See, he wants you to believe his word no matter what you're facing. And I know that's easier said than done, right? It's easier said than done, but notice. They sent for him, 11 verse 3, Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place. Oh, my. That's a great pastor, ain't it? Goes off on a vacation, leaves you high and dry. You call for him. Hey, you rung him up on the phone. You sent messages to him, and he refused to come to your aid. What a great pastor. No, don't look back here, Brother Tim. We ain't talking about him. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus. 
in their greatest hour of need. They sent for him, and instead of coming, he went further. Instead of coming, he takes the vacation another city away. Oh, I'm not going to Shreveport. No, sir, I'm going here. Then you send for him there, and he goes a little bit further. Then he goes a little bit further. What is he doing? He knows the vision. He already knows what's going to happen. I love how Brother Brandon will say this. He said, verily, very, I say, you, uh, I say unto you, the son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the father doing. See, the father had already told him to go away and to be away for so many days. And after the days was accomplished, then he said, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. So you think God was caught by surprise that he didn't know what was going to happen in Lazarus' situation? Nor is he caught by surprise with your situation. God knows before that doctor puts his name on that report what your situation is. But more importantly, God knows the end. He has the final say. He is the final say. Notice now he said, he is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because then they'd be trying to get him to go and heal him. Notice. You know, we want that. We want healing. We want deliverance. But see, Lazarus had to operate, or not Lazarus, but Jesus had to operate according to the vision. So God has a purpose in allowing these things to happen. And he has a purpose for allowing the things that happen in our life. Some of you get sick. Some of you get cancer. Some of you have disappointments. Some of you face sorrows. Some of you lose a close friend. Or maybe we lost a companion. But nothing that we face in this life is by chance. God doesn't make mistakes. See, no situation that we will ever encounter has ever taken God by surprise. See, he knows the final verdict. He knows what the ultimate say is going to be. And he knows what the end of your story is. I was telling Brother Timothy in the back, I wish we knew the end. I wish we knew the end. But if we knew the end, it wouldn't be by faith. But this is a faith walk. And we're challenged to believe. When you don't have the strength, you're challenged to believe. When you don't feel like it, you're challenged to believe. When you feel like giving up, he's asking you to believe. All things are impossible to them, are possible to them that will believe. Nothing impossible. And Brother Brandon would tell us now in the message, then Jesus came and called. He said, all hopes was gone. Lathers had died every hour. They kept thinking he might come on the scene, but he might come on the scene and he'd come back, or, and he might come back, but finally he died and the breath left him. Notice, they went, they embalmed his body, take the blood out of his body, wrapped him in linen spices, embalmed him, and laid him in the grave, put a rock over the grave, which was their custom of burying in those days. A hole was cut in the ground, a rock put over the top of it, and there he was. None of you are in that dire condition tonight. But we find here, all hopes was gone. Now it's too late. Lathers has taken his last breath, and where is Jesus? The life has now left his body, and there was no Jesus. They drained the blood from his body, and still no Jesus. They pumped him with embalming fluid, and still no Jesus. They wrapped him in linen, and they put spices on him, and still Jesus was not there. They threw his body in a borrowed tomb, and still Jesus was not there. In their darkest hour, in their weakest moment, Jesus was not there. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, Jesus was on his road back because he knew the end of the, 
the story. He knew what was about to transpire. He said the first day passed, second day passed, no Jesus, third day passed, no Jesus, but the fourth day passed, and the man was already rotten in the grave. All hopes was gone. And it may appear in your situation that there's no hope. There's no way. It's useless. I got to give up. I got to throw in the towel. Let me tell you, you're not in Lazarus' condition tonight. It may be that you're four days dead and your body begins to rot, but he's still Jesus, and he's still a long-time God. All hopes of seeing him was gone, but they had waited. Maybe he'll come. Maybe he'll come tonight in this service. Oh, I love, I love now how the Bible would tell us in 11 and verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard, Jesus was coming. Oh, he was coming to even like tabernacle on Wednesday night. Oh, he was going to make an appearance before the weekend meetings. He was coming for what? To call. He was coming. The prophet of God would say, when Jesus comes, it brings new hope. It brings new desires. It brings new ambitions. And when Martha heard that he was coming, something just fluttered in her heart. Oh, I got an opportunity now. Now I can get before this Jesus. Oh, I know my brother's dead. I know he's been in the grave for four days, but it doesn't matter. The master is coming. He's coming. And I know there's hope yet because the master is coming. And I've seen blinded eyes open. I've seen crippled legs walk. I've seen him manifest himself. The master is on his road. The master's outside. She didn't stay shut up in the house streaming the service. Oh, my. No, she came out on a Wednesday night, cold, rainy. She came out because she heard the master was coming. Oh, Jesus came in the dark hour when every hope was gone. That's usually when he comes. He comes just at that darkest time. Notice now, he come and called for Martha. His presence brought new hopes no matter if the boy was dead yet the presence brings new hope you might be sitting here tonight my friend where the doctor has given you up with cancer God doesn't make mistakes I'm here to tell you the doctor may have given you up with cancer Heart trouble. Maybe it's a chair crippled. All signs that says there's no hope for you. The deposit of calcium has knotted your bones and you can't bend no more. Either your heart is so bad. Their doctor says you might go anytime. But the great bunch of people with cancer and TB, maybe the last hope you got. And it seems like the doctor has turned you down. But yet in the presence and the recognition of presence of Jesus Christ, he brings new hopes. That's why we're here tonight. You're not here to listen to me preach. You're here to hear something from God to give you new hope. Oh, that I can make it out of this trial. I can be healed. I can be delivered. Cancer ain't gonna take me down. I'm in his presence with new hope, with new desire, with a new faith. Believe my God can. And not only that he can, my God will. He's able tonight. He's able to meet your needs. He's able to heal your body. He's able to deliver you from your situation because my God is on time. And the master is coming. He's coming tonight. He's here tonight for your need, church. The master is here. And when he's here, his presence, oh my, you may have drug in, bound by the situation. You may have drug in, ready to give up. But oh, his presence when it comes down, my, 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 new hope. Oh, revitalized, revitalized faith. Notice, 
Maybe you got a surgery that you got to endure. But in his presence brings new hope. Maybe high blood pressure is taking a toll on your body. But in his presence, it brings new hope. It brings new hope. Hear me, I'm talking to you. I'm preaching at you now. It brings new hope. His presence. I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm not talking about psychology. I'm talking about the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the person of Christ. I I preached this message last week at Brother Jason Jackson's. And the Lord kept leading me back this way. And I kept preaching and kept preaching and kept preaching. And there was a young lady coming to prayer line. She came up there and she said, she said, I'm backslidden. I'm backslidden. I've crossed the line. I've gone too far. I made a mess of my life. And I looked at her and I said, that's lies. I said, it's all lies. She was taken back. I said, the devil has lied to you. I said, he's lied to you. Look where you're standing right now. He said, you've gone too far, but look where you're at. He said, you crossed the line, but look where you're standing. He said, there was no hope, but look at you. You desire the things of God. Oh, it may look like he's given up. It may look like you crossed the line, but in his presence, it brought new hope. And she stepped into that prayer line. Oh, beat down, wore out. And she wanted to give up on life, but she went back to her seat because the master had come and he called her and he delivered her and she gave her heart back to God and she put a smile on her face because the master came to her knees and it gave her a new hope. I can live. I can live free. I can live victorious. I can live above sin. I can live above the cares of this life. I can live now. Oh, church, let me tell you, his presence brings new hopes. In South Africa, there's a man who never had a pair of shoes on his feet. He'd been way back in the jungle, was born there. Years ago by missionary parents, he was born with deformed feet. He come walking up through there clubbing, clubbing his feet, but he had a shoebox under his arm. Oh, had a shoebox. He came on a Friday night service and he witnessed the power of God. He seen the presence of God. He came back on a Saturday night service and he seen the same God that was there. Friday night came back again on Saturday night. Oh, he came on Sunday, and he had a little shoe box in his hand, and he come walking, and they said, oh, what you got in your box there? He says, I got me a pair of shoes. Probably a pair of Johnson Murphys, because I like them. That's right. Oh, I got me a pair of shoes. He said, what are they for your daddy? He said, nope, I'm going to wear these before the service is over. And the prophet of God said before that service was over, he had those shoes on his feet and he was running all over the place. Why? Because he said, I seen the presence of God on Friday night. I seen him heal the cripple. I seen him open the blinded eyes. And I know if he's there tonight, he won't turn me down. I'm going to tell you, church, God won't turn you down. He's here for you. The master's calling you. Oh, he's calling you now. He's calling you out of sickness unto hell. He saw the witness and the presence of Almighty God, and he gained new hopes. Notice what he did. His faith said, I want you to go and purchase you a pair of shoes. Matter of fact, 
Could you think how stupid he looked walking into the shoe store with club feet? But his face wasn't looking at his feet. His face was looking at the promise. I've seen God move. I witnessed God move. He won't turn me down. And before the service was over, he was wearing the purchased possession. He was, did you hear what I said? He was wearing the purchased possession. Faith told him to reach out there. Go do something. It may, it may appear like you're some holy road. It may appear like you've lost your mind. But if faith told him to go buy a pair of shoes. And faith before the service was over had those shoes on his feet. And that same kind of faith made him run up and down. And I was saying, you can do that tonight, church. He's the same God tonight. He's the same God for your need. He's the same God for you. If you just say, Lord, I believe tonight, you won't turn me down. You healed Sister Lana. You put hair back on little Mariah. You gave Drew ability to walk. I know you won't turn me down tonight. He won't turn me down. Not psychology, not mind over matter, but the dynamics. The dynamics of the Holy Ghost. And when you preach the dynamics of the Holy Ghost, the cripples will walk. When you preach the dynamics of the Holy Ghost, the sick will be made well. When you preach the dynamics of the Holy Spirit, the barren will give life. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And nothing is impossible with you that will take God at his word tonight. See, it brought new hopes. It brought new hopes. Notice verse 20. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary sat still in the house. But see, it brought new hopes to her. She heard. Oh, it may look like all hopes was gone, but she heard Jesus was coming. See, Brother Brown would say she's seen the manifest word of God. She's seen that age. If she wouldn't have, she would have still been an Orthodox. She would have still belonged to the church. But she had seen the promised word. She had seen the promised word manifested by him, and she knew that he was the living word. And he's the living word in this hour. He's the living word. She's seen the blinded eyes open. She's seen the cripple walk. She's seen the, the spots on the leper vanish and be made clean. See, there was no denying that she had witnessed the living manifestation of the Word of God. And there's no denying that we have witnessed the same at this church, in this hour, in this age, in the darkest of all times. The light is all but almost gone out, but yet she believed. Notice, maybe she heard the story. How God was in Elijah. And there was a Shunammite woman who believed. And she had a little boy and he had died. And she called for Elijah and said, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave until you come to my son. And Elijah came and laid his body on the boy. And life came back to him. And she knew that if God was in Elijah, surely God is in Christ. And if he can do that in a prophet, what can he do with the living manifested word? Church, he's here tonight. He's here for your need tonight. No matter how bad the situation, no matter how many, how, how many days the brother's been laid in the grave, she knew that God was in Elijah. She knew that God was in Christ. She knew that these signs will follow them that believe. And I'm asking you, do you believe tonight? Do you give witness tonight? How do you give witness? By your voice, by your amen, by your response back to the word. She believed. And look, the impossibilities were made real because she took God at his word. And Brother Bram said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, 
And he has not changed. He's as very much God for your need tonight as he was for blind Bartimaeus, as he was for the woman at the well, as he was for Martha, as he was for the Shudamite woman. He's still God. He's still God. Notice here in verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, you just, you just pity her. You know, that's how we would be. We all pity patty. She didn't have a pity party. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know, Lord, that even now, whatsoever thou ask God, God will give it. But, Lord, you don't know. You don't know my sorrows. You don't know. Lord, we called out to you in, in four days. God, you, we, we just gave up. That wasn't her attitude. Her attitude wasn't an attitude of defeat. Her attitude wasn't an attitude of giving up. No, it looked like it was all gone. It looked like all hopes were gone. It looked like him. I mean, they done put her brother in the grave. They done embalmed his body, drained the blood. But yet she said, Lord, if thou would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, Lord, even on a Wednesday night, God, no matter how dark my situation, even now, Lord, whatever you ask God, God will give it. She came to service looking for God to speak to her. And I'm asking, what did you come for? Are you coming to say, even now, God, whatever you ask God, God will give it to me tonight. I need healing from cancer. He's still God tonight. I need deliverance in the home. He's still God tonight. Whatever thou will ask God, God is still here. He's still God. She said, I believe that thou art the one, the son of God that came into the world. Although my brother is dead, laying out there in the grave, his body decaying now. But even now. Oh, I wonder if we can have that same response. That's why we're here, church, in this service tonight. is to hear the word of God. Just speak healing over my sickness. Speak deliverance over my situation. Speak salvation to my loved one. Even now. Even now, Lord. So Brother Bram will say she had to believe for the impossibles. She had to believe. And he says, you got to believe for the same. Sister Ruth, you got to believe. You got to believe. It's not so much for me, Brother Tim, Brother Timothy, Brother Aaron to believe for you and to pray for you, but you got to believe. You got to bring your faith to that level and say, Lord, I've seen the signs of God. I've witnessed the testimony of Sister Lana. I witnessed the testimony of little Drew. I witnessed the testimony of this one and that one countless times. We have seen the physical, supernatural manifestation of a living God, and God is asking you to believe for the impossible because your situation, it may be a impossible to you but it's not impossible with God and if I can get you to believe tonight nothing will stand before your prayer not even cancer not even heart heart trouble not even high blood pressure nothing will stand before your prayer if you can believe if you can believe tonight even now Lord even now Lord on a Wednesday night Lord I believe you're a healer I believe you're my deliverer I believe you're a miracle I believe Lord even now even tonight on a Wednesday night, Lord, I believe you're a healer. Even now, Lord. That was her attitude. I believe. She went out. She didn't have a complex. She didn't get all upset because the pastor didn't call. Nope, she went out to meet him. I got to get in his presence. 
Because I know in his presence is a fullness of joy. In his presence. Her attitude was an attitude of even now. No matter how dark. No matter how bleak. No matter how lost. Even now. Her attitude and her response to her trial is what moved God to that need. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? Your response to your situation moves the heart of God to come to your scene, come to your need, come to your trial, come to your sickness, come to your crippled body, come to your cancer-ridden body, come to your lost loved one. Your response to the word of God, your response to that situation is what moves the heart of God. She could have berated him. She could have ridiculed him. We waited on you. You didn't show up. Well, you couldn't come when we needed you. What's the use now? That was not her attitude. Even now, Lord. Even tonight. I may be the only believer here tonight, Lord, but even now, speak the word to my situation. Before I came out to preach, I prayed God would be a discerner of the very thoughts and the very intents of the heart. Because me as a man, these brothers back here, though godly as they are, they're just men. We're just men. We don't know what your day-to-day struggles are unless you tell us. But if we can sovereignly pray and invite the presence of the living God on the scene to minister to your needs. We can study, we can pray, and the God can lead us this way and that way. But I'm praying, God, may there be a spirit of discernment that will reach into that heart. It may be dark, it may be bleak, it, they may feel like giving up. They may be so bound by depression and anxieties and fears and suicide. Whatever it may be, pornography may be ravishing their life. But even now, Lord, Lord, if you can just anoint these lips tonight, if you can just move the heart of your servant to go to that need, minister to that life, elevate that faith, Lord, they'll put the key into that life, Lord, and unlock the promises of God to him. Even now, Lord, do it tonight, Father. May there be such a spirit of liberty here tonight that you won't stay shackled. You won't stay back in the sea, but you'll be like Martha. Oh, even now, Lord, whatever you ask God, God will give it to me tonight. I know he's here. I feel his presence. I witness his testimony. I believe, Lord, even now for my need. Even now. Think about this. How great are even now prayers. I remember an even now prayer sitting about right there where Sister Katrina is sitting about four years ago, February 18th. Even now, Lord, at the end of a service, cancer said, I'm going to take you to an early grave. Cancer didn't have the final say because even now, Lord, showed up. See, your loved one may be dead and smelly as Lazarus, but even now, Lord. Your situation may be four days dead, but even now, Lord. Whatever you ask God, God will give it. Oh, church, don't stop knocking. Don't stop knocking. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Even now, Lord. Lord, you don't, you, you don't answer. That's fine. I'm having a good time of knocking. <laughs> 
I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be on your hands until that door of opportunity wakes up and opens up. And when it does, I'm going to walk through that door. I'm going to be on time for my healing. I'm going to be on time. I'm not going to be sleeping in a grave. I'm going to be waiting, Lord, for your appearance. I'm going to be looking, Lord, for the signs of the supernatural. I'm going to come to service with an expectation. Even now, Lord, whatever you ask God, whatever you speak tonight through Brother Joe, I'm going to believe it for myself. I'm going to believe it for my family. I'm going to believe, Lord, because you're here tonight and you get testimony to the word of God. Even now, prayers. Even now. Even tonight. Oh my. Notice John 11, verse 23. Jesus said unto her, Well, your brother's going to rise again. Well, you know, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. And not only am I am the resurrection, but I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? Even like tabernacle? Believest thou this? Yea, Lord, I believe tonight. Notice he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He knew who he was. See, he identified not with what he was, but with who he was. See, he was, he is the I am. I am the resurrection, and I am the life. Notice, Jesus didn't claim to have resurrection and life. He didn't claim to understand the secrets. He didn't underclaim, understand, or, or claim to have the psychology of it. He claimed emphatically that I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And though your brother be laying in the grave, though his skin worms destroy his body, I am here tonight to give life to your brother. Because, look, if I can raise him up in the end time, I can raise him up right now. And he's the same, God. I'm the resurrection tonight is the same resurrection power that we're going to take a body change because why I am the resurrection and I am your life I'm not talking about it I'm not uncertain about it I know who I am I am the power of God I am the living manifestation of God I am that I am I am the one that met Moses in a burning bush I am what Moses lacked and he's what you lack tonight he's faith for your belief Notice, he raised her hopes. He raised, he elevated her faith. You're not just standing in the presence of a mere preacher. No, sir. You're standing in the presence of Almighty God. I am. I am. I am the one who didn't have beginning of days. And I am the one that has no ending of life. I am the creator of heavens and earth. I am the I am God. I am the one who's formed and fashioned your body. I am the one that knows the very intricate details of the cells and molecules that make up your being. I am him. And I'm here to give life. The master has come and he's calling He's calling you out of sickness. He's calling you back to life. He's calling you out of a broken marriage. He's calling you into a, a, a marriage that's consummated and, and consecrated on God. He is still the I 
am God. He is still the healer. He is still the deliverer. He is still the miracle worker. He is still the way maker. He is the I am God. He was not uncertain about who he was. He knew he, who he was. He says, I always was. I always will be. I am the resurrection and the life. Notice his next phrase. He recognized who he was. And he was elevating her faith on a Wednesday night service so that she can see she wasn't in just a man's presence, but she was in his presence. And she looked, he looked at Martha. Where have you laid them? Take me to your brother. See, he knew who he was. He already seen in the vision what was about to happen. Oh, if I can get you to believe tonight, God has already seen you in a vision. He knows what's about to happen, church. Oh, we're just a few chapters away, remember? We're just a few chapters away to our greatest supernatural experience. There's about to be a body change for this bride. We're just a matter of time away. Let me tell you, we, you, you may be in a dark hour, but we're only a few chapters away. You may be in a dark moment. You may be laid in a tomb somewhere, but where have you laid them? Because the I Am is here on a Wednesday night, and he's here, and he's, he's here to invoke faith to you tonight. Show me where you laid them. God, I'm about to raise him from the dead. I'm about to raise your situation. I'm about to elevate your faith that you can believe cancer ain't too big for my God. My God is able to destroy cancer. He's able to destroy high blood pressure. He's able to destroy sugar diabetes. He's able tonight because the I am is looking for the grave. The I said, take me to him. Where have you laid him? I'm here. He was about to manifest the vision. He was about to bring the total climax. See, he had a purpose. God had a purpose. He waited four days. Where have you laid them? See, there was a Jewish superstition that said that the body or the soul would hang around the grave for three days. So he had to wait till the fourth day. So there was no possibility of resurrection or resuscitation because he knew who he was. And it may appear tonight that you're four days late. Oh, but even now, Lord. Notice what he tells Martha in John eleven thirty nine. 39. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. See, we got something to do, church. We got a part to play on a Wednesday night. Oh, y'all want the ministry to do all the work, don't you? Y'all want us to come up here and study for all? What if we came here and we halfway studied? You wouldn't get nothing out of this service. No, we studied all week, weeks, hours. And they'll tell how many hours we put into a service. And you expect us to do all the work? Jesus said, no. You take me where he's at, but I want you to roll the stone away. You got a part to play in a Wednesday night service, on a Sunday night service, on a Friday youth service, on a Saturday banquet service. We got a part to play in the light tabernacle. It ain't all for the ministry. We got a part to play in this. We got to roll the stone away. We got to push away the doubts. We got to push away the fears. We got to push away the anxiety. We got to grab hold of every promise of God and say, yay and amen, it's for me tonight. It's for my family. It's for my loved one. It's for my children. It's for the family of God. It's for even the light tabernacle. Yes, Lord, I believe it tonight. And if you can believe tonight, church, if you can believe tonight that he's God, he's as very much God tonight as he was for Martha and Mary, 
you're going to see the supernatural. You're going to see a display. But see, God had a purpose. He let it get four days late so that he could prove his deity. So that he can prove that he's not a superstition. So that he can prove, no matter what stage four cancer says, no matter what this doctor says, no matter what the family dynamics say, he has the final say. Notice, Martha and Mary, they took away the stone from the place where they had laid him, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people we stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. He had a purpose to elevate their faith to believe. No matter who's preaching, to elevate your faith to believe. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, Come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with the napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. He's the same God tonight. And the prophet of God would say that Martha was at the right place in the front of the right man with the right attitude and with the right approach. She didn't come in on a Wednesday night and sit down on the preacher. Uh Uh-uh. She didn't come in with a complex, her tongue all bent out of shape, scolding because you didn't do this and you didn't do that. Even now, Lord. He said, notice now. He said, she was at the right place with the right attitude. He says, that can be done if we'll take the right attitude towards him. If we'll come to see him, to love him, and to worship him, then God is obligated to give us them things which we desire. He said, the right attitude or the right, the right mind or mindset to any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. So your tragedy is all you see. How many is in a difficult spot tonight? Nobody? Okay, we got a bunch of cherubs here. Praise God. Your tomb is only a miracle in the waiting. Your trial is only an opportunity for God to display his dynamics. Your situation may be dead, but God says, I'm the I am. I heard a brother say last week, your miracle is in the room. Your miracle is in the room. Your miracle's not Brother Joe. It's not Brother Timothy, Brother Tim, Brother Aaron. Your miracle is in the room, though. It's here. He's just waiting on you to appropriate the faith to believe it. He's waiting on for you to say, I'm going to push that stone away of unbelief tonight, and I'm going to believe God. Notice now, all this took place so that the glory of God could be made manifest. Notice what he did to Moses. Told Moses, Moses, you're going to take my people out. You're going to take them out of Egypt. You're going to cross over here. You're going to take them to this mountain. You're going to worship me over there. And Moses did exactly what God said. He went to Pharaoh, showed out who he was, said, Moses, you let my people go. Got his people out of there. And they get down and then they find themselves mountains on both sides, a great big sea in front of them, and Pharaoh's army coming behind them. They were in a dark place. But God had already told Moses, Moses, you're going to worship me in that mountain. And let me tell you, there's not enough Pharaohs. There's not enough devils in hell. We've already been seen in a vision. God has already sold it. There's going to be a rapture. I'm going to have a bride. She's going to be without spot. She's going to be without wrinkle. Ain't enough devils in hell can stop God's purpose or God's plan. You've already been seen there, church. You've already been witness on the other side. I'm going to shout right now. Thank you, God. It may be dark. Let me just say this.
this. If the Red Sea would have never opened, God would have marched him right on top of the water. Because he's God tonight. Moses told him, stand still. You're about to see the witness of the Holy Ghost. You're about to see God move. And those enemies that you face today, you're going to face them no more. See, he knew who he was. He knew that he had been called. He knew that God gave him a promise. And God gave him a commission. And God has given you that same promise and that same commission. See, God likes to, he likes to let it get to the, the darkest hour. But he says it's the darkest hour when Jesus comes on the scene. In your darkest hour, let me just skip down. So, In your darkest hour, that's when Jesus appears. And see, the way we get things from God is the way that we approach it. So you have to approach it the right way. God, I believe. He said, maybe it's the darkest hour you've ever seen or you've ever seen or, or you or you. He says, but maybe the doctor's giving you up, but Jesus comes along just in the darkest hour. He comes in just in the darkest hour. Hebrew children in the darkest hour. That last step off that platform was the first step into his presence. And he was there. He wasn't a minute early and he wasn't a second late. He was on time. And he's that same God for you tonight. In their darkest hour, the furnace heated up seven times hotter than it had ever been hit before, but yet Jesus met them there. Blind Bartimaeus, we know the story of blind Bartimaeus. The man that sold this, that, and the other to try to make a living for his family. And he, here he was, they put him out on a street corner and Jesus comes passing by. Thousands of people, hundreds of people screaming, Hosanna to the highest. And he hears what's going on. He says, oh, that's Jesus of Nazareth. He's come passing by the way. And blind Bartimaeus in his mind says, oh, they set me at the wrong place. But he began to cry out, oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He said, there was hundreds of people all around crying out. And he said, there's no way that he could have heard them. But something stopped him. And when it stopped Jesus, Jesus called Bartimaeus to his side. Let me tell you, the master's come for you tonight. And he's come to call you. He's come to call you out of blindness. He's come to call you out of sickness. He's come to call you to himself. The master has come. And he's calling you. Think about the woman with the blood issue. So to all her living. Brother Bam says she hawked the, the farm and gave the, the, the team away and everything, spent all her money trying to, trying to just get to, to where she can be healed. She was sitting there and she looked down and she seen the multitudes around them. She said, if I can just get, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just muster enough faith just to get down there, fight my way through the crowd, fight my way through, through all those that may say something, oh, you little holy roller, you act this way and you act that way. If I can just fight my way to him and touch the hem of his garment. And when she touched him, he turned around and he called. I perceive virtue has left me. He's the same God tonight. A woman at the world, the woman at the well, right in her darkest hour, immoral, Jesus had a need to go by Samaria. Of all places, the racial tension between Jews and Samaritans, and yet he had a need to go by there. He had a need, Brother L, to go to Mississippi. He had a need. Why? Because he had a seed to meet that need. He had seeds over there. He had a seed at the well. Oh, it didn't look like she was seed. She was scarred up. Had five husbands. One she living with now wasn't hers. But yet, 
the master came. And he called her from that living, from that livelihood. And he made a daughter of God out of her. Now, as we bring this to a close, musicians can find your way back. I want you to know the master has come tonight. The master has come in this day, in this age. Brother Bram says, here is a lady sitting here praying right now. She is scared. She should be. She has got cancer condition real bad. I don't know you, but God knows you. Do you believe that God can tell me about this cancer or something of another? Look at me. Oh, I just marvel of how precise the master is. Look at me. There is so many here praying. You see? See, is what, I, what, what am I saying it for? He says, look at us. Now, you see, you're not here. This is not your home. You're from a place called Borderville, California. That's right. Do you believe God? Do you believe God can tell me who you are? He knows your name is Miss Witham. See, that's right. Now believe that cancer will leave you. If thou canst believe, that's all God asks of you to do. If thou canst believe. Notice, he said, here's a man sitting right back here. His head down praying. He's really not praying for himself. He's praying for somebody else. It's a girl. It's his daughter. He says, do you believe, sir? You got trouble with your legs. You got trouble with your knee. That's right. No need of weeping. That's him there by you. Your daughter's in the hospital, isn't she? Tuberculosis case. You believe, you believe. The master has come and he calls for her. Will you believe as her father? You will. He says, may he visit her tonight and you and may it be over. Here's a little boy here, brown-faced boy. He suffered from skin disease and, and asthma. Brother Jonathan, God's mindful. A little Mexican boy, he's a Mexican boy sitting here. He isn't from here, he's from San Jose. Do you believe, son, anything your father is here with you? He says, another thing, your father is here with you. He's a minister, that's right. Do you believe God can tell me what your name is? He said, would it make you real strong? Your name is Reuben. Now believe, he says, God will make you whole. He said, the master has come and he calls for you, old sinners, sick person. Don't you see the master's manifested in human beings? But believers he has come to call you to his believing children to believe it to bring you to health he has come to call you sinner to repentance backslider church member the master has come and he calls for you see man could not do this man could not go back and say that boy's name is reuben and that lady's address is porterville california matt but the master has come the master had visited in this age this wasn't Brother Branham. No, this wasn't him. He didn't know the needs of the people. He didn't know the secrets of the heart, but the master did. The master has come, and he calleth thee. Let me just read another quote here. This is in Looking Unto the Unseen. I believe Brother Timothy shared this many years ago at a youth meeting. He says, come on, walk right down the aisle right here. He says, right down to receive Jesus. Keep your hands up. Keep looking to the unseen, a little pulsation in your heart. Come, moving right on down. Is he pulsating to you? I'm the Lord that raised up Christ from the grave. I'm the one that sent the Holy Ghost. I'm the one that gives the promise. Brother Branham has nothing to do with this. I have. He surrendered his life to me. I'm using his spirit. I'm talking through his lips. That's me. I'm the Lord. Come down. What is he saying? He said, the master came on the scene. 
And the master was using the prophet's voice. And what was he using the voice? To call a bride out of Laodicea. He's going to have a bride. He's calling the people. He coming to dark Laodicea for a purpose tonight. To call you out to faith. To call you to believe. To call you from sickness. To call you into health. And to call you to a body change. The master has come. And he's calling sons and daughters of God. He's calling you tonight. Martha, he says, are you coming? Are you going to sit in the house with Mary? Play that song, Draw Me. Martha, are you coming? Are you going to sit in the house with Mary? The master has come. Every service, the master comes. The master comes. Last week, at Brother Jason Jackson's, his brother Curtis had hurt his back on a Friday night or Friday. It was in a back brace when he came to service on Sunday. And before the preaching was over, his back was completely healed and he came up and gave testimony because the master came. The master came because the master is mindful of your situation. You may be thrown into a tomb. It may look like all hopes is gone, but I want you to know the master is here tonight. He's here. Man can't do these things, but the master can. So we're at the end of the age, church. The light is all but gone out. But he stepped into our darkness, and he's brought us light. He stepped into your storm, and he's brought peace. He stepped into your sickness, and he's brought healing. He stepped into that barren wasteland to give you life. The master has come and he's calling tonight. He's called many of you out of dark denominationalism. He's called many of you out of drugs, drinking, sex sins. He's called many of you out of pornography. He's called many of you out of suicidal spirits, depression, anxiety. He has called, but he's calling again tonight. And he's here to call you. If you've got a need tonight, I want you to know the master's here. He's here. He's here to give you new hopes. He's here to elevate your faith. He's here to get you to believe. Nothing will defeat God's purpose. God's purpose. For you, for your life, for your family, for your children, for your home, nothing will defeat it. God has a purpose and God has a plan. And God is calling you tonight. He's calling you to health. Sister Ruth, he's calling you from high blood pressure to health. Drew, he's calling you tonight. Doctors want to say you can't grow. But the master's come. He says, I got jurisdiction over Drew's life. I have the final say. And I want you to know he has jurisdiction over your life tonight. He has to final say. He knows what the end is going to be, church. Won't you bow your heads? The master has come. Brother Ron, the master has come. He's come. He knew about the MRI. But he's calling you to perfect health. Sister Erica Parker, the master has come. He knew about this cancer situation. He knew that it would come back. But he's come to call you from cancer so that God could display his glory. 
Sister Ruth Wilson, he knows about that cancer. But the master has come tonight. He's come so you will believe. The same God that did for Sister Alana is the same God to manifest for you. You got a need tonight? The master's here, church. Father, we just bow before you right now, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We know that your presence brings new hopes. Oh God, how we thank you, Lord, in our times of despair when it seems like the world's caving in on us and sickness is destroying our bodies, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we know that the master comes. At the darkest of hours, that's when Jesus comes on the scene. Lord, it may appear that he's late, but he's always on time. It may seem like on a Wednesday night, Lord, at the closing end of the service, nobody moving, but Father, I know you're here. I know you're here to move on a heart. I know you're here to move on a life. Otherwise, you would have not placed this on my heart tonight, Father. I just ask, Lord, you'd move on that heart tonight. Maybe it be a, a backslider that's here. Maybe be a sinner that's here. God, it may be somebody who's really struggling with the sickness in their life. God, the master has come. He's come tonight. He's come to call you out of that sickness into perfect health. Maybe the marriage is broke up. All the love is lost. Seems like there's no love, no hope. Divorce is the only answer, but the master has come. He's the one that can mend the broken. He's the one that can repair the marriage. He's the one that can give new life, new hope. God and I ask tonight that you come. Lord, I ask tonight that you move, Lord. I pray that there would have been a spirit of discernment that would be here tonight during this service, that you would speak to one heart, Lord. And I pray you'll speak to that heart tonight, Father. May their faith rise up, Lord. Lord, rise above all the unbelief that they're facing, that they're going through, the mind battles that they're struggling with. God, may they rise up and claim that promise. This message was just for me. The master has come. And I'm going to walk out of here well. I'm going to walk out of here delivered. I'm going to walk out of here free. Even now, Lord. Even now. If you've got a need tonight, if you desire prayer, he's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here to touch you tonight. He's here to heal you tonight. He's here to deliver you tonight. He's here to meet your need tonight. The master has come and he's calling. Won't you come, Martha? Won't you come? You got something to do? You got to roll the stone away. Come on, Martha. God knows about that surgery. He's got it all taken care of, Sister Nancy. He's got it all taken care of. His presence brings new hope. You're not stepping into the presence of a man, but you're stepping into his presence. The presence of the supernatural. And in that presence, all things are possible. All things are possible.